tray and set it on the table. And then, for in some matters Sissy could be brisk enough, she saw her slip into the circling ring, resolutely joining the chain of girls, not caring who lost her partner so long as she got one as soon as the music changed. It changed, the ring broke, and there was Sissy face to face with Jan, who immediately lifted her so high that her feet left the ground and made a great sweep through the air. With a sick feeling, Araminta imagined what it must be like to be lifted like that, pressed against Jan's chest, held in his arms. She had to battle with herself so fiercely that the lines cut into her cheeks again, and there was a scowl between her thin, dark brows and the quirk at the corner of her mouth was like a groove. At that moment, old Mrs. Pollard, whose interest in all matters connected with breeding, in its less genteel sense, had not been dulled by sixty-five years of living close to the open mysteries of farmyard life, looked across to the bench of sitting women and saw Agnes. She leaned forward and said to her daughter-in-law, in the special voice she reserved for such subjects, Nelly, that gal of yours married in June lost no time a-quickening. Aggie, said Mrs. Pollard, looking towards the bench, oh, she always was too slow to say no. Her attention drifted. Why on earth was Araminta sitting there, looking so sick and sorry for herself? Araminta? she called on a rising note in a voice which could, if necessary, make itself heard across two fields. Ma'am, said Araminta, jumping to her feet. That sissy. No doubt she'd forgotten something from the tray, counted the cups wrong as like as not. What ails you, girl? Mrs. Pollard asked. "'anxiously, kindly, putting a hand on Araminta's brown arm. "'New shoes hurting?' "'Araminta shook her head. "'The muscles in her cheeks twitched into dimples "'at the idea of anything so absurd. "'Are you sick, then? "'Did you get tired too early in the day?' "'Mrs. Pollard persisted. "'No, ma'am,' said Araminta, "'who took pride in her physical endurance. "'Immediately she was sorry that vanity had tricked her into saying that.' It would have been so simple to murmur that her head ached a little. Well, I can't have you sitting there with all those old women looking like a death's head, said Mrs. Pollard. You fair turn my supper. She spoke irritably, a little annoyed with herself for caring whether Araminta enjoyed herself or not. But she couldn't help it. Araminta was such a good, hard-working, clean little girl, and so pretty, too. Where's your wreath? she asked. "'Reckon I dropped it in the yard,' said Araminta, who had slipped it under her pillow when she went for the salt, and had then regretted doing so, and planned to throw it out of the window as soon as she returned to the house. "'Perhaps that was what was upsetting her,' Mrs. Pollard thought. "'Girls were so funny when they'd got a chap in tow. Perhaps she didn't want him to see that she'd lost his favour. Thought it would have been more like the resourceful Araminta to have rigged up another.' She looked at the table— Araminta was a wonderful one for tea. Perhaps a cup would cheer her up now. But all the cups were in use, and the only other thing upon the table was the glass which Mr. Pollard had filled, despite Mrs. Pollard's giggling protest that she couldn't take a sip more. Here, said Mrs. Pollard, taking it up so hastily that another stain went to join Cousin Sarah's. Drink this, Araminta, and put it out of danger. That should make your toes tingle. Araminta took the glass, and, knowing her place, stepped a little aside from the ladies and drank it slowly, 
making it last and planning her next move. If it annoyed Mrs. Pollard to see her sitting with the other women, she would watch her opportunity and slip off to bed. Bed was like food, something you could never have too much of, and once there she would be safe and out of the way of the temptation to get up and pull Sissy away from Jan by brute force. She tilted back her head, draining the last drop of wine from the glass, and then, straightening up, had a momentary fear that the action had turned her brain. She was as dizzy as a duck. Her head was swimming, her whole body felt as though it was floating, and her feet were a long way away. She set the glass back on the table with exaggerated carefulness and said, "'Thank you, ma'am,' from what she judged to be a respectful distance, but actually so close to her mistress's ear that for a second brown curls and grey frizz mingled. Then she turned.